Hi, welcome to episode 651 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I met my soulmate once, but then the circus left town. Every week on the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue one and going all the way to issue uh, 900. On this episode, it's Fantastic Four, volume six, number 16, released in November 2019. Point of Origin, part three, Fantastic Planet, written by Dan Slott, art by Sean Izaksi. Before I start, I should say there's another artist this issue, Revolving Door. This time it's Sean Izaksi. You know, but looking it over, it looks pretty good. Also, the front cover so far is my favorite one of the entire run. Art by Nick Bradshaw and John Roch. Looks more like something drawn by Art Adams, and you can't go wrong with that. So we pick up where we left off last issue with the Fantastic Four trapped on the planet Spire. The rest of the FF are in the high town of Capital City, but Ben is down in the low town of Capital City, the dirty, grimy part of the city, deep underground. Ben is surrounded by a bunch of low town creatures who say things like, You're the rock man! And, What are the foretold? Every freak in Freak Alley's been waiting to take a shot at you. Freak Alley? Well, that name is pretty much on the nose. So they attack Ben and he starts fighting them off. Meanwhile, in Hightown, Johnny is in a worse situation. He wakes up in the bed of one of the world's heroes, the Unparalleled. Her name is Sky, and she has taken part in a sacred ceremony that shows a person who their soulmate is. And during her ceremony, it showed her that Johnny Storm was her soulmate. He's in her bed naked, and he has this thing on his arm that won't come off, called a soul binding. This seems very close to being a sexual assault of some kind. Good thing she's not on Earth. She would totally get dragged on Twitter. She has a pet bird that harasses Johnny, which he threatens, and she's like, Don't threaten my bird! She tells him to get dressed, she'll show him around. So they head outside and we see them, they're at the Hall of Justice, the Hall of Heroes, which no longer looks like the Hall of Justice. It seems pretty lovely, lots of grass and trees, and plenty of unnecessary bridges and walkways going over the ground. The big guy, Citadel, shows up, and he points at Johnny and tells him that he better not do anything to upset her. Johnny pulls out his communicator and tries to call the rest of the team, but he can't reach him. Sky assures him that they're all just fine and points, pulls up some kind of video of Reed and Sue meeting with the Overseer and every, everything seems to be pretty pleasant. Over at the Tower of Oversight, where they oversee everything, not to be confused with the Tower of Overbite, where they listen to Queen songs all day, Reed and Sue have just finished filming what Sue calls a propaganda video. She asks if they're going to space prison now, and the overseer says no, they are not prisoners. Sue points out that their ship was destroyed, they got an overseer eye looking at them at all times, a group of superpowered goons guarding them, and they were told they can't leave. Sounds like they're prisoners to Sue and Reed. Reed asks, why the restraints? The Overseer explains that they're not restraints, they're soul bindings worn by two soulmates. Reed likes this idea that 
he and Sue are confirmed as soulmates, and he says at least no undersea monarchs are in play. This one member of the Paralleled assures Reed that Johnny and Ben are safe because Spire is a great place. A perfect society, everyone is looked after, everyone is in their proper place, everyone gets free Disney+. Plus. Meanwhile, Ben is still fighting with a bunch of monsters down in Lowtown. He gives them nicknames. There's, there's Punchy, and Squishy, and Smashface, which are good nicknames because we see him punching, squishing, and smashing their respective faces. Down in a nearby alley, one creature says, Ooh, he's good, ain't he, boss? The rock god sure lives up to the legend. The boss, I guess the leader of this monster group, we don't see his face yet, he says, Huh, I thought he'd be bigger. Well, if I had a nickel for every time someone had said that to me. Back in Hightown, the human torch is flying around the city in his, with his so-called soulmate, Fly. Supposedly, Fly is taking him to the tower to see Reed and Sue. Johnny asks about this alien soulmate crap. How does that work? She, she explains how the Great Eye works. It measures the radiation level of everyone on the planet, and it picks a match based on radiation levels. And one crazy day, Spire was scanned by Earth, and at that point, the Great Eye scanned back, and Johnny came up as her soulmate. Wow. Radiation levels. I have my radiation levels in my online dating profile, hoping for a match. Actually, I'm just kidding. It's not a dating profile. It's a sex profile. Back in the tower, the Overseer mentions how his planet was scanned by Earth. Let me guess, that was Reed doing the scanning? Overseer says he was worried about that scan. Spire has a breathable atmosphere, but inferior technology, and could easily be conquered. It was ripe for invasion. So as you can imagine, this caused a lot of problems on Spire. I guess here in the real world, if we found out we'd been scanned by an alien planet, people would freak out. Twitter would go nuts. Conspiracy theories would be everywhere. The president would try to bribe them for dirt on Joe Biden. And then using the same type of scan to scan Earth also, they saw the Fantastic Four gain their superpowers by being exposed to cosmic rays. And so what they did was they also used the power of cosmic rays on their entire planet. They zapped everybody, one after the other. Hence, all the monsters and people with superpowers, all that shit. Totally changing, warping, and messing up their planet to protect themselves from a threat of the Fantastic Four, which never existed. Back with Ben, he yells out, Come on, which one of you rejects is next? And the big head, the big head monster yells back, Me! And it crawls out of the shadows. It's a huge gray monster, twice as tall as Ben, calling himself King Scrum. And there's a brief flashback to him as a human being getting bombarded with cosmic rays and then turning into that big monster. And I don't think he's very happy about it. Next, he says to Ben, Today, I'm more than good enough for you, Rock Man. I'm Big King Scrum, Lord of Lowtown, and I'm gonna break you. Ben holds up his left arm, still with a cast on it from being broken, big wedding ring on his middle finger, and he says, So bring it on. Back with Johnny and Skye, he's saying that it's crazy that they're soulmates and both got superpowers. What are the odds of that? Has he ever read an issue of the Fantastic Four before? Coincidences happen all the time. Plus, 
Most of the women he's dated turned out to have superpowers or ended up getting superpowers. Skye talks about how hard she worked to pass a test and become a member of the Unparalleled. Here Johnny says something really crazy. I was just a kid, but I pushed myself to do the impossible. To get to the planet with two suns. To get to you. Wait, what? That makes it sound like he knew about this all the time. That the trip to space would lead him to meet his soulmate. If that's the case, why has it taken so long to come up? If the Fantastic Four have had spaceships all this time. And we learned that Sky wanted to become a member of the Unparalleled so she could be one of the first people to meet the Human Torch and the others when they finally arrived. Oh, there is so much bullshit in this story. Such bullshit. Up in the tower with the Overseer, he finishes telling Reed and Sue how it was all their fault the world is so messed up. I don't know how they can blame Reed and Sue. The people of Spire overreacted almost as bad as the people on Fox News overreact when they see a caravan of Hondurans. The Overseer says that now that they know that the FF aren't a threat, they can stop irradiating their people with cosmic uh, energy. He says it was their one great secret. One secret? Secret from who? And then Reed is like, your one secret? Bitch, please. You thought I wouldn't figure it out? I know what you did. What did he do? Whatever it is, Overseer suddenly changes his tune and he tells the members of the Unparalleled to kill Reed and Sue. Sue immediately turns them both invisible. She makes a big invisible fist and says, It's clobbering time! Which may be the first. I've never heard anyone but Ben say that. Reed uses her long stretchy arms to slingshot them both through the hole in the wall and out of the tower. In Lowtown, Ben finally defeats King Scrum, and the monsters all around are calling calling him King Grimm and imploring him to finish him, which is a dangerous thing to say to Ben Grimm. His idea of finishing him is probably pretty different from theirs. Ben refuses to kill King Scrum, and he gives a little motivational speech to the rest of the monsters, telling them that they're not monsters, they have nothing to be ashamed of. He shows his wedding ring and says that he found a woman to love him. She chose to be with him because of who he is on the inside. He neglects to mention the fact that she's blind and can't see what it looks like on the outside. Back in the air over the city, Reed has turned his arms into wings and they're gliding over the city with the two solar-powered members of the Unparalleled chasing after them. So Sue has to block them with a shield. Reed tells her, on the next blast, we need you to contain it all into a specific shape. Ooh, a specific shape. What shape will that be? A rectangle, a triangle, a parallelogram. Up on top of the hall of just up on top of the hall of heroes, Johnny lands with Sky, and they're talking about how they're linked. Sky asks Johnny to kiss him. He moves in to do so, but the sky lights up with a big flaming four sign. I guess that's the shape that Sue made with her force field. Ben, down in Lowtown, also sees the Flaming Four. They always see these Flaming four, Fours no matter where they are. He's like deep underground, but he still sees it. He starts climbing back up to Hightown. He stops to give a little speech to the monsters, saying, All of you have been down here way too long. Enough of this Lowtown garbage life. I say we rise up. Hightown for everyone. Even for freaks. Who's with me? Oh, Ben. He's... Sounds like he's the uh, Bernie Sanders of Munsters. And that is the end of the issue 
to be continued next time. So now, briefly, I'll go over three things I liked about the issue and a couple things I didn't. Now, the three things I did like was, number one, I do like the art. Sean Izaxi does a good job. It looks really good. Number two, I like the world building here. The creating of this entire world of uh, Spire. Terrible name, though. Based on the premise that they must expose themselves to cosmic rays to protect their planet. That's interesting. And number three, I like the stuff with Ben and the monsters in Lowtown. If this story was just about Ben inspiring these monsters to leave their underground city and rejoin the world above, that would be fine with me. So now the two things I didn't like about this issue. Number one, the planet overreacted massively to the so-called threat of the Fantastic Four. Why did they consider the Fantastic Four such a threat? I don't understand that. Wouldn't it make more sense for them to be worried about, like, Galactus or something, and be like, hey, let's do what the Fantastic Four did and expose ourselves to cosmic rays? The place to blame at the feet of the Fantastic Four is quite a stretch. And number two, Sky and Johnny. Did Sky know or did he not know about this Sky woman all along? If he did, well, that's kind of shit. For him to think that he has a soulmate on this planet far away, but never mentioning it for 650 issues, that seems crazy. Eh. So that's all I got. On a scale of 1 to 4, I give this issue a 2.5. And that brings us to... Hi, welcome to episode 651, part 2 of the Fantastic Forecast. On every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Future Foundation, starting with issue 1 and going all the way until issue 5. On this episode, it's Future Foundation number 4, released in November 2019, story by Jeremy Whitley and artist Artie Fermansian. The issue begins with a short flashback to the life of mighty Xurik's captain uh, named uh, Kalrath, the lizard man friend of evil Reed Richards. He was a high-ranking warrior, a ruthless captain, and a noted killer of scrolls. And in the present, we find him laying on the floor of the ship's cockpit, dead, having just been killed by Elijah the Scroll, making a very surprising return. The only thing more surprising would be if it were... Moon Knight or something. So Elijah makes herself look like a, de a dead lizard guy and heads back to the rest of the ship. Everyone seems a bit suspicious, like, where's Yondu? Elijah, as lizard guy, says that he's still in the driver's seat. Then he beckons Evil Reed and the rest of the crew to join him up front. Reed has his gleam in his eye, thinking that lizard guy killed Yondu, I'm sure. Reed tells his crew, now, and the evil lady with wings, the one that Bentley has a crush on, grabs Bentley by the hair and holds a sword to his neck. Always a boner killer. Reed has the lizard guy, really Elijah, hold an axe to Alex's back. And this or other orange big creature attacks Dragon Man, who is neither a dragon nor a man, but an android. 
Ricky Barnes pulls out her Captain America shield and says to the bad lady with wings, I'm ready to pluck you like the turkey you are. The wing lady tosses Bentley aside and approaches Nikki, and they start fighting. Alex uses his gravity powers on the lizard guy holding the axe to his back, and he floats up and hits the ceiling. I mean, she hits the ceiling. It's Lyja. Next, Alex manages to kick evil Reed in the face. Ricky's still fighting the evil winged lady, who uses some kind of telekinetic power to levitate this sword off the floor, and it goes flying through the air, spinning right toward Alex's neck. Lija leaps in and grabs the sword at the last second, but the sword is electrified and Lija falls to the floor. Alex realizes that this lizard guy is not who he seems. Evil Reed has a gun and is about to shoot Alex in the head when a moloid enters the room carrying a pink ball, saying, Is this what you're looking for? And then the moloid starts running with it and Evil Reed chases after him. What that ball is is some kind of missing piece of Molecule Man or some such shit. Evil Reed calls the other two members of his team to join the chase. Ricky Barnes finds Artie and Leech and tells them that she has a plan and needs their help. Phyllis, the evil rock monster, runs into the room belonging to the two water-breathing kids and he gets all wet. The flying lady gets tricked by one of the Artie's uh, holographic projections and Anomi, the Wakandan girl, shoots this enormous, oversized gun, and it shoots a net around the winged woman. Why is this gun so big, just for a net? Evil Reed finds the Moloid kids with the Mo Molecule Man pink ball, and they play a little game of keep away. Ricky shows up and takes the ball. As Evil Reed lunges at her, he shoots the she shoots the shit out of him, and he's hit. The bullets don't bounce off because he can't use his powers. We see that Leech is nearby. He takes people's powers away. Evil Reed laughs and says he's going to get that ball. His ride is there. A hole is shot in the wall of the ship and Nikki and Evil Reed are sucked out. Someone on a nearby ship takes the Molecule Man ball. Looks like he's going to leave Reed and Ricky there to, in space to die and he proceeds to shoot the Future Foundation ship. So that's the end of this episode. If you have any questions about the Unparalleled, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download episodes at www.podcastff.podbean.com too. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Violin, you should try to get some sun. You remind me of every one Rylan, did you break your mother's heart? Every time you tried to play your part Is it easy to keep so quiet? Everybody loves a quiet child Underwater you're almost free If you wanna be alone, come with me